0: Hello and welcome to the PhD Life Raft podcast. I'm Emma Brzezinski and today I am talking to the marvellous Sarita Robinson. Sarita is also known as Dr. Survival with a research interest in life-threatening emergencies. And today we're going to be talking about surviving the PhD process. We talk about judging yourself, we talk about trauma bonding, and we also question the notion of resilience. So I do hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Sarita. Hi there, Emma. Thank you so much for being here and for giving up your time. I know you are super, super busy. Um, I came across your work on survival, and I was like, "This is just fascinating." Um, And asked if you would come and talk a bit more about that and how that relates to PhD journey. And you said yes. So thank you very much for that, and I cannot wait to find out more about what you're talking about there. but we always begin with with people talking about their own journey um, into and through the PhD. So could you tell us a little bit about your story, please?
1: Absolutely. So going back, gosh, over 20 years now, um, I just had a baby, finished my master's, was looking forward to a career as a sixth form tutor. Amazing. And that that was that was my plan for life, and uh, that was what I was going to do. I was very happy with that setup. And then one day, I was uh, driving along in Kendall on some twisty, windy roads, and um, a car came round a blind bend on the wrong side of the the road. I had my uh, toddler in the front seat in the car seat because you could do that back then and I hammered on the brakes the lady who was on the wrong side of the road hammered on her brakes and we stopped with our number plates touching what yeah and (sighs) it was it was one of those moments where you think my life could have ended that day and so I went home and rather than sort of having what could have been quite a a nervous wobble yeah I basically sat down and reflected on the fact that you only get one life and actually what was it I deep down wanted to do and I had loads of insecurities because I was dyslexic and I'd struggled you know through the education system it's not really set up for neurodiverse people particularly right, right. so um, you know it was like but if I could do anything what would it be and it was like well I want to be a doctor I want to do a PhD I want to Love I want it. to take my education as far as I can go because I enjoy doing my masters. I enjoyed doing my undergraduate and I really, really enjoy survival psychology. And that survival incident, I think, was really right. made me reflect about why why was it I was able to, you know, hammer on the brakes in time? Why was it that I was, you know, able to make the correct decisions? And if I hadn't, if my brain had let me down in that moment, me and my son wouldn't be here now. Mm. Mm. So putting that uh, sort of in, into sort of the processing that went through, or yes. well, what would I like to do? Yes. And I sat down and I wrote a five-year plan. And I thought, you know, in five years, what I would really like to be called is Dr. Robinson. And I'd really like to be an expert in survival psychology. And I thought, I don't know whether I can do this. I don't know how I even start doing this. I don't even know how to apply for a PhD. And I just wrote to one of my old lecturers and just went, dear Dr. Leach, please, can I do a PhD with you?
0: Amazing. (laughs) And,
1: and you know, and bless him, he wrote back. And that, that was the start of it.
0: Because you're awesome, Dr. Robinson. Love it when a plan comes together. Um, amazing. What an amazing story. And, um, and it's so true, isn't it? It's, it's seizing the moment and seeing that PhD is an, as an opportunity to for you to fulfill your dreams. I just, I love it. Love it. Um, and so you undertook your PhD. Yes, that's right. right
1: part-time over five years with two children under four
0: amazing and any any thoughts to offer on just on that experience before we go on to go into survival
1: yeah 20 years ago there was a real lack of support for people who are pregnant and going through the academic process I think it Has slightly improved now, but it it is still a major barrier. Mm. Mm. So I I think that's my top reflection. I was taken on one side by my second supervisor um, when I got pregnant with my second child, and he just went, Oh, I've never known anybody actually complete a PhD with two children. Maybe you should just take an MPhil now. And it's what like, the what <laughs> absolutely uh so so to anybody out there who gets rubbish advice like that absolutely ignore it um yes. I did make him come to my graduation
0: but I did I, find
1: a different yeah. second supervisor
0: <laughs> good and two brilliant things for that so first of all ignore people who are giving you rubbish advice that's very important um and secondly also you could that you can choose you don't have to stick with a supervisor who you don't feel is is a kind of good match um, and because I think a lot of people do struggle on in the belief that they don't have the, the, the opportunity to change, but you do. And that's absolutely in your control to,
1: to, to, to
0: request that. Um, so, even more amazing, then, with two little people to complete that PhD over five years amazing, uh, amazing. Um, and so now you are continuing to work in the field. So tell us a little bit about um what what you're exploring um, and then we'll think about how it might apply to this the PhD journey. Yeah, so
1: I'm interested in human survival in acutely life-threatening situations. I'm interested in what people do to prepare. So I'm a big prepper interested in that preparatory stage. I'm also interested in from a psychobiological point of view. So what happens in the physiology and how that impacts on the brain and our behavior in the acute impact stage. So that's when I don't know how would we say it the SH1T hits the fan you know so we've right. got a disaster as it happens <laughs> what does your brain do what does your body do why do some people survive why do some people succumb and then I'm interested in that longer term um sort of readaptation, uh bits of um, post-traumatic stress disorder but also
0: post-traumatic growth right right and that's Obviously, you're dealing with quite extreme situations, so you're dealing with, with military um, as well but as well as civilian, but there's kind of life-threatening um, incidents. And, of course, the PhD isn't life-threatening. Well, although, having said that, you know, we know that there, there are some people who are in such a um, deep place and that actually PTSD can be part of that experience in terms of triggers that are coming up for people during the process – and um, so it can be quite a, a serious place to be, but there is a sense of surviving and needing to think about what you're what you're doing and how to get through that. So just any thoughts then on what you know about
1: that's- Absolutely. Yeah, there's loads. of, I mean, everybody says, you know, survive, there's, a, there's a famous quote goes, you know, surviving a crisis is easy. It's the day to day living that wears you down. And, and there is a bit of that. Mm. I think sometimes when you commit to a PhD, it's a huge undertaking. It's um, a judgment on yourself. Uh, So you have that self, you know, that evaluative pressure that people are judging your work and whether you're able to attain those, you know, correct levels of, uh, you know, academic rigor, et cetera. Someone's making that judgment on you. uh, And that can be quite stressful. Also, if you don't have the right resources, you don't have the right support, then that can make it very different. Just like a survival situation, if you don't have the, the right um, survival equipment, you ain't going to make it out of there. You know, it makes it so much harder to deal with the situation. So I suppose my first bit of advice that I would sort of draw out of uh, the survival world is around prepping. Mm -hmm. And making sure that before you go into things or before you make big commitments, you look and look at your resources and make sure that you've got everything in place. And then, you know, as you go into the uh, PhD and it's underway, we know that networking is so important, that social support, having people that you can talk to, people that you can confide in, people that can you know pull you up when you're feeling down and you know to be fair you can return that favor as well in survival situations we talk about traumatic bonding and that people in this traumatic environment will come together and sort of cling to each other and form very strong friendships you can definitely have that in the phd world yes 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 (laughs) you know some of the closest friendships i made were while i was doing my phd and it was literally just somebody to phone up uh, you know 10 at night saying oh my goodness I've just analyzed the data and I think I've done it all wrong and you know or oh my goodness I've looked at uh, you know the, the the results and they don't make any sense so you know that, those sorts of support networks are so important the other thing that um we take from the survival world is around being optimistic and I think an optimistic mindset is really, really important. Now I'm I'm unbelievably optimistic all the time about Love most that. things, not <laughs> but you can get into a state with a PhD where you sort of enter into helplessness. Right. and you don't make any progress because you think it's you know nothing I do is going to make this rise I can't get you know I can't get the help I need I can't get through ethics I can't do whatever the barrier is mm. it's like you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel but I think you just need to to try and see through that because one of the problems is if you take on that pessimistic mindset mm then you're more likely to not do the proactive things that can help you. And we see this in disaster situations. Some people just go, there's no point doing the training. If I'm in a helicopter crash, I'm just going to die. So I'm not going to engage with the survival training. I'm not going to bother buying the survival equipment. I'm not going to bother, you know, learning the protocols. And they, they give up even before they've started.
0: Wow, that's
1: deep, is I'm not yeah.
0: going to go to the training because blimey.
1: Oh, I, I, yeah, I, I've done work with people going through underwater helicopter evacuation training. And it's one of the things that's frequently, mm. you know, they frequently say, you know, you always have two or three on any course. So you go, oh, well, it's not much point doing this, is it? If a helicopter crashes, I'm just dead. And it's like, wow. well, no, no, actually, but, but, but the statistics show you've got a 50-50 chance. And with the training, you can increase that. Uh, (laughs) Wow, wow. There's something, oh, sorry. I was going to say, it's just about keeping optimistic. and, And the more that you
0: believe that you can accomplish something, the more you'll keep on going at it absolutely my um one of my shamanic teachers talks about the way in which your attitude walks before you and I love that image of it kind of clearing the path ahead of you and that exactly like you're saying in terms of if you're optimistic that's going to walk ahead of you and if that's pessimistic it's going to walk ahead of you bring things in it's not that's not saying be Pollyanna about it is it but do the training people
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it's about helping, you know, taking the opportunities that are available, yes. going on the training courses, asking people, don't assume that they're too busy to help you or that they can't possibly understand your situation. Give it a try. Yeah. Ask, you know, go on the training, see if it's helpful. It might
0: not be, but at least you've had a go. And I think there is, there's something, because Often that can be countercultural, isn't it? We know that in academia there is a culture of scarcity. There's not enough time. There's not enough, um, you know, money. There's not enough. And kind of, I'm too busy. It's it's not so. Actually, kind of going. It's okay. Let's make time for this. Let's do that. You might have to be actually pushing in a in a kind of countercultural way. But as you say, actually, that's opening up possibilities for you. Um, might take a little bit extra effort but um, it it could be really worth it. Um,
1: Absolutely. You know, when I was doing my PhD, I was having real problems with um, getting someone to help me with cortisol assays. And, you know, I I didn't really come from a very strong biological background. I just needed somebody who was going to help me to to learn the the techniques that I would need to, to analyze the saliva samples. And I remember, Thinking, oh, it's no good. I can't find anybody who's going to help me. No, everyone's going to be so busy. It's 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 just a disaster. Why did I ever put this in my proposal? And then I just sort of picked myself up by my socks and, and marched myself over to the biology building. And I literally went and knocked on everybody's door. Yeah. Physically went and, and knocked and said, hey, you don't know me from Adam. I'm a PhD student ever in psychology. Do you know anything about cortisol? Amazing. And
0: Amazing.
1: I, you know, and I. I had a few knockbacks and then people kept mentioning one person's name and then I knocked on their door and they were very happy to let me borrow their uh, PhD student for a couple of days to to sort of bring myself up to speed.
0: Gorgeous. And I think this is the thing we need to remember that there are wonderful, generous spirited people who are genuinely happy to help um, and, you know, they do exist. And so, if you reach out, you might be surprised at who you find um, out there. I love that absolutely.
1: story. Absolutely, and, and and the more you reach out, the more likely you are to hit the jackpot.
0: Exactly, you definitely won't find them if you don't ask. Will you? That's absolutely correct. <laughs> um, awesome, and I also loved. I also loved what you were saying in 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 terms of this this idea of of traumatic bonding I'm still really with that when you were talking about that and people kind of coming together in this this very particular situation because it is a very particular situation the PhD um and people might be saying oh but I don't know where to find them you know again in that kind of in the in a more perhaps um helpless kind of way of how how do I find people and um I mean we've
1: got loads of opportunities now haven't we with online Um, networks as well so things like the women's academic network or there's other other different groups specifically for phd students or a lot of universities have you know phd cafes where you can just go hang out so i mean that's like a a virtual meet not an actual cafe that would be too nice (laughs)
0: yeah that would be super nice and i think also um sometimes because people maybe feel a bit awkward making initial um uh contact but um going to going to events and then being able to um even online events and then finding other people who are interested and just like a little message of you know I really liked what you said or whatever it is just to make that contact because other people, other PhD students are as hungry to make contact as you are um, and just remembering that that um we're all human and we all want the we all want that bonding experience don't we? Blimey, I used to be in a comedy double act called Bonding Experience, but let's not go back to that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, it's really interesting, you know, I made one of my closest friends while I was doing my PhD. He had a little kid as well. You know, we had that in common and that's a friendship we've had for over 20 years now, just based on, you know, reaching out to other people in the department who would started PhDs that year. Yeah,
0: and, and also social media as we've said now social media is brilliant in terms of even just following someone and being you know commenting on on their thing you know just making contact that way can be a great way so so there are ways of doing that and you don't have to feel alone um that's really important um so I'm gonna then ask you unkindly because you've already given us lots of great tips for just a top tip or some top tips to take away Um, oh absolutely I, I think
1: one of the things that comes out of the survival world is this idea of resilient and we all have to be resilient and there's loads of things that we can do to be resilient and sometimes the environment that you're in is so toxic that resilience isn't actually on you And I think that's important to remember. We can sometimes think maybe about the poison of resilience and that the idea that um, if you aren't being resilient, then it's, it's, it's you, you're failing. And that's not the case at all. Sometimes the environment is just so toxic that nobody would thrive. And if that's the case, sometimes the most resilient thing to do for your mental health is to take a step back and, you know, consider whether, you know, Bigger changes are needed to make it a safe environment to be in, and that—that's definitely something that I consider probably on a six-monthly basis. Right? Am I still happy? Am I still happy with what I'm doing? You know, life is too short to be bogged down in something that you're not enjoying.
0: That is golden. Sometimes the most resilient thing to do is to take a step back. I love that. Um, And yeah, remaining in control. And, and knowing that this is something that you can make changes in um Sarita you are awesome thank you so much again as I say for, for taking the time to be with us thank you also for your fantastic work that you were doing um you have a, a great website and we'll put the links um in the show notes so that people can find out more about what you do because I'm sure they will be interested to know now they've got a taste of it um and also don't forget, people, that you can sign up for the notes for the life raft and um, that will give you a bit more information every week, comes into your inbox and uh tells you a little bit more about the subject that we're talking about each week. Thank you so much, Sarita. Thanks for having me. And thank you, everyone, for listening.